as I uh, noted uh, uh, earlier in the service, today we're uh, beginning a three-part uh, stewardship uh, series that we're calling uh, Giving with Joy. Indeed, it was Jesus himself who said famously that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And as we noted earlier, it was the Apostle Paul who writing to the believers at Corinth who said that God loves a, a cheerful giver, a, a joyful giver. And so in the New Testament, uh, giving is often described uh, as a blessing and a joy. Uh, truth be told, not everyone sees it that way. Uh, and even in the church, uh, indeed, even in the church, uh, some see keeping rather than giving to be the safest course of action. Indeed, for them, the idea of a generous giving and faithful financial stewardship, that is managing our funds and honoring God uh, with our monies, are, are a rather scary thing. I think maybe some of them skip stewardship series. <laughs> and so as I was thinking about this and putting together uh, the talks for this series, I thought it might actually be helpful uh, before moving on to the cheerful giver. I thought it might be helpful actually to talk about uh, the fearful keeper. Indeed, to my, uh, to my mind, there are at least three fears that plague uh, the fearful keeper. A and the first fear, simply put, is the fear that God can't be trusted. Now, of, of course, uh, few, there are a few people, especially Christians in the church, who would ever come right out and say that, uh, that God cannot be trusted. But truth be told, that's how uh, people feel in their, in their heart. Uh, Jesus may say that it's more blessed to give than to receive, but for the fearful keeper, uh, that doesn't really ring true. And so they don't really believe it, or at least they, they don't believe it uh, in, a, in a way that uh, would lead him or her to, to give generously and faithfully and with joy. Uh, he or she may say, well, yes, of course, it, uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But the true measure of a belief truly held is not in lip service, but in action. Indeed, as we've mentioned uh, before, the English word believe is a combination of two other English words, the words buy and live, or if you like, live by. Indeed, to really believe something is to, to live according to that belief, or to order one's life uh, around it. But the fearful keeper doesn't do that. He or she may say that she or he believes that it's more blessed to give than to receive, uh, but that truth never actually uh, takes a grip and a hold and becomes a truth by which they live by. Indeed, when the fearful keeper, uh, if and when he or she decides that uh, he or she might give, uh, he or she tends to uh, do so cautiously and sparingly, not giving what God wants, uh, but only what he or she thinks he or she can spare. And in fact, uh, Francis Chan spoke about this when he wrote these words. He said, lukewarm Christians give money to charity and to the church only so long as it doesn't impinge on their established standard of living. If they have a little extra and giving is safe and easy, they do so. And then he says tongue in cheek, after all, God loves a cheerful giver, right? And so that's the first thing, the fear that God can't be trusted. 
The second fear that plagues the fearful keeper is that trusting God with my finances will, will make my life worse uh, rather than better. That if I, that if I, if I obey <laughs> and if I do what God wants me to do, it'll make my life worse rather than better. Interestingly enough, in 1 Samuel 2, in verse 30, God says, those who honor me, I will honor. And of course, in Acts chapter 20, in verse 35, Jesus' famous words, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so in the scriptures, God promises to bless and to honor those who honor him with their lives uh, and in their giving. But the fearful keeper fears that generous giving and faithful financial stewardship will make his or her life worse rather than better. And of course, for the fearful, fearful keeper, the tithe is completely out of question because the fearful keeper believes that that would most certainly expose him or her to financial risk. And so it's avoided. In most cases, it's endured when a preacher like me talks about it, and then that's the end of it. But interestingly enough, in Malachi 3 and 10, this is what God says about the tithe. Notice very carefully what God says. That is, they're giving 10% of what I have back to God. That's a pretty good deal, by the way. <laughs> that's a pretty low tax bracket, 10%. How much does the government take from you? God says, you know, I give you everything that you have. Won't you give me 10 back? If I give you, I give 10% back. If I give you 10 apples, may I have one and you keep the other nine? Listen to what God says in, in Malachi 3 and verse 10. Bring the full tithe into this storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's the temple. Bring what's needed to the temple so that worship can continue the way that I've prescribed it in the temple at Jerusalem. And then notice the promise. He says, and, and thereby put me to the test. God says, give me the tithe and put me to the test, he says, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until you, you need nothing more. And so God promises to, if you would just trust me, God says, if you would just trust me, I will do things in your life that you thought never possible. You will not. In fact, I was thinking about, we, we read and prayed this morning, uh, part of Psalm 37. As you go on in the second part of the Psalm, in verse 25, it was the King David who said, once I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen God's righteous forsaken or his people begging bread. God's very reputation is on the line. When he asks us to give a tenth and we give it, you think he's going to let life be worse for you than before? But the fearful keeper doesn't believe God's promise. And even though God promises that he will meet all of our needs if we commit ourselves to the tithe and that there's nothing to fear, still the fearful keeper fears that if he commits to the tithe, God will leave him, leave him hanging and that God will not keep his promise and thus making life worse rather than better. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, and it is located in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Notice what the writer to the Hebrews writes there. He says, and without God, excuse me, and without faith, 
It is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God for whoever draws near to God, what, to have a relationship with God, must believe that he exists and believe this, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. As you go on to two chapters past, into the 13th chapter of Hebrews, and at verse 5, the writer to the Hebrews adds this, and keep your life free from the love of money, but be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. He won't leave you and forsake you after you make such an act of faith and commitment as to give him one out of 10. And still the fearful, the fearful keeper lives in fear, believing that trusting God with his or her finance, finances will make his or her life worse rather than better. As I was thinking about that, uh, it reminded me of something that Anne Lamott wrote in her book, Traveling Mercies. She wrote, if you make friends with fear, it will rule you. If you make friends with fear, it will rule you. This also reminded me of something that uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Rothschild wrote in her book, Lessons I Learned in the Dark. She wrote, faith is facing your fears and acting on what you know is right. And in doing that, finding face reward, face reward. Listen again what the writers of the Hebrews wrote. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you're not living a life of faith, God's not pleased. That's the nature of the relationship. He's not pleased. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that he's a real God, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Finally, the faithful, the fearful keeper fears that if I trust God with my finances, I'll never be satisfied with what's left. I'll never be satisfied with what's left. Indeed, the fearful keeper chooses generous keeping uh, over generous giving because he or she believes that keeping is the only way to maintain true satisfaction. But then how can someone who's never really trusted God with his or her finances know that not trusting God with his or her finances results in a, in a greater level of personal satisfaction. How can they know it? They've never even tried it. In fact, the, 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 the testimony of those who are trusting God with their finances, and you go and talk to a tither, you won't find some sort of a, uh, someone with a, a dour face and uh, someone who's faithful in giving as, and faithful in every area of life as they're, as they're trying to pursue God in faithfulness, what you will find is joy. <laughs> you, they, they enjoy releasing it. Listen, someone once told me, a friend of mine uh, said, listen, the only way for you, you can't receive from God anything when your hands are clenched. The only way to receive from God is to open your hands, to open your hands. God can't fill a, a, a vessel that's full. God fills vessels that are empty of self. And that's the promise. 
So how can anybody how can anybody justify the fear? It's just a devil. It's just a devilish lie, the devil's lie and the world's lie to keep you from giving your whole heart, soul, and strength to God. Do you love God? Jesus said, "No man can serve. No person can serve two masters. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or hate the one and love the other. No one can serve both God and money." And this is a good question. What determines your relationships? Is it your relationship to money that determines your relationship to God? Or is it your relationship to God that determines your relationship to money? And if you're the former, I, I guarantee you're living in fear. And if you're the latter, I'm, I'm guaranteeing that most of the time you're not living in fear because you know that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But the testimony of those who are faithful in their financial stewardship, and by the way, stewardship, stewardship is when a steward manages something that belongs to something else. We're never called owners in the scripture. We're called stewards. And Jesus told parables about the faithful steward. The steward takes what belongs to God and manages it the way that God asks him to manage it. And God says, at a minimum, give him one out of ten. And the testimony of those who do is that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. It's almost embarrassing to me, and I've said this before, almost too embarrassing to me as I've gone and Linda and I have gone from tithe to and just keep on ticking it up and getting to higher levels of giving and giving 10% to the church and, and more to others, that, that God just provides what you otherwise couldn't seem to afford even in the midst of pleasure and joy and all that look at me here in my study do i look poor to you <laughs> it's it's embarrassing how things that god continues to provide and enriches the life of the faithful giver and one of the things that the faithful giver knows that whole question about who is Lord of my life is answered when we give generously and faithfully. And every time we give generously and faithfully, we say, Lord, money is not my God. You alone are God and you are my God. In fact, that's what Je uh, J Jacob said at the end of that passage that Bill read for us uh, from Genesis chapter 28. And if God will provide all of these things that I need, then God will be my God and I will give him a tenth of all that I have. Indeed, consider again what Jesus said in our in our gospel reading today from Matthew's gospel, chapter six. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't fear. <laughs> Listen, the faithful giver isn't fearing. <laughs> if you if, if you if you are a fearful keeper, I know you're fearing. But Jesus says, don't fear. I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your life or about your body, what you put on. Indeed, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? There's lots of people eating a lot of rich food and, and, and dress very, very well. But you know, one thing they don't have is peace of mind. Peace of mind. He continues, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Isn't it? Just think of the birds that come around in your garden. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? And why are you anxious about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Think, think of those blue bonnets in our own state of Texas. Beautiful. Look how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Arrayed by who? Arrayed by God. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? And therefore, do not be anxious saying, what, what are we going to eat? Or if, if I give, if we give 10% to God, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? I was thinking about this the other day. You don't have any old clothes. So when you go to the store, you buy new clothes that look like old clothes. I mean, we, there is such an abundance. And when we start talking about giving God one out of 10, we still will be amongst the wealthiest people in the world. Oh, you of little faith, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For God knows we have need of all these things. So instead of worrying, he says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Think about that. As I many times will say to people, you know, you fret and, and you do great, you know, preparing for your retirement. And that generally has to do with money. But how are you preparing for after retirement? Because after retirement, I guarantee will be a great time longer than any time you spend in retirement. It was Max Licato who said, whether we live to be nine years old or 90 years old, life is short and the kingdom of God lasts forever. How are we preparing ourselves for that? And that is key. John Stott in his book, People My Teachers, wrote something poignant. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. He said, it's precisely because God is faithful that faith in him makes sense, for there is no one more faithful than God. You never have to worry about whether you give God what he asks from you and that your life then would be worse rather than better. His reputation is on the line. He said, put me to the test and see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and bless you until you can't hardly stand it. Not only will I meet your needs, but even in abundance, I'll give you everything and joy along with it. And so I want to encourage you this morning to trust in the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and don't be a fearful keeper. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote this. He said, the only things we keep are the things we freely give to God. This is what this based on the concept that Jesus said, build up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt or thieves break through and steal. The things you the things that we uh, are, are tempted to idolize can all be taken away and they will be taken away. He says. He says, the only things we keep, that's Lewis, the only things we keep are the things we freely give to God. And what we try to keep for ourselves, Lewis says, are just what we are sure to lose. Indeed, in this our New Testament lesson, 
as Bill read it to us from from First uh, Timothy chapter six, one of the later writings of the Apostle Paul, writing to his protege, uh, his pastoral protege Timothy, he said this: "But godliness with godliness with contentment is great gain. That's not worse. That's better." Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we surely can take nothing out of it. It was slain missionary Jim Elliott who famously said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And God does give to us. And the things that he gives can't be lost. He honors those who honor him. And he's the rewarder of those who trust in him. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, don't be a fearful keeper. But instead, be a cheerful and joyful giver. And uh, next week, we'll have more to say about that. Let us pray. What a privilege it is, Lord. To be like you, somebody said that God is a giver and no one is more like God than when he's giving. And we're not supposed to just come to you uh, to, to be to, to receive from you as if you were some sort of a cosmic uh, cosmic vending machine. Uh, put in a prayer and take out what you want, but you want to have a relationship with us. And you want us to be true children of God, true children of God, according to the Apostle Paul are imitators of God. In fact, that's what he says in Ephesians 5 and 1, and be ye imitators of God as dear children. We like to think of ourselves as children. Well, what's the family resemblance? In what ways are we like you, Lord? Or maybe we're just fooling ourselves, imagining that religion is the same thing as being a child of God. But if we are your children and your spirit lives within us, then that spirit of generosity, that spirit of love and peace and joy will bear its fruit in us. And we can't wait to give and be like you. There's no fear that our, meet our needs won't be met. I've never, I've never in all of my more than 40 years of being a believer ever heard anybody ever say, I tried tithing and I lost everything. Or I tried tithing uh, and and I, I found it um, uh, just uh, not uh, successful or not satisfying. Maybe maybe that could be true in somebody who's trying to maybe earn your favor by doing it or something like that, Lord. Uh, but for those of us who who want to uh, to live by faith and and please you and live close to you and remove any impediments that might otherwise keep us from enjoying you to the fullest, Lord, we want to give. We want to give of our we want to give ourselves as living sacrifices we want to give our time we want to give our we want to we want to make available to you everything that we have because everything comes from you and the, so for my brothers and sisters lord this morning that are struggling with this and there's many many clamoring voices not least of which the devil who will say if you trust god he'll never come through you can't trust god trust in me for those who are hearing that message, Lord, uh, may 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 they do as Jesus did in the in the hour of tempting. Get behind me, Satan, and obey you, and turn to you in faith, and find joy unspeakable, and full of glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.